Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, sound wasn't on. That's essential when doing a live broadcast. So let me start over again. It is me. It is me, the big old CBC, Steve Castellanovo, kicking it with you on another edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And um, I was just doing my open welcoming those from the Internet wrestling community and everyone all over the World Wide Web to talk pro wrestling. I'm so excited and so jazzed after the amazing conversation that I had last week with my guest, Will Gray from Botch Spots and ShareShots.com. And uh, definitely going to be kicking it with him in the future. Plus, before we get started with the rest of the show, I want to do a quick shout out to the boss man, uh, the great Billy Alexander, and his own promotion, Pinfall Wrestling Association in Springfield, Illinois, on the back of another successful Wrestling for a Cure event. The proceeds going to St. Jude's Hospital, I believe. And what a noble cause. I would love to, or I already put it out there to him. When I get my life together, when I get flowing back in the nine to five gimmick, when I uh, get back into the swing of things and, and my life kind of normalizes and, and settles, I told him, I said, I would love to be a part of trying to bring wrestling for a cure to Ohio, to Columbus. And if we could get a couple of promoters out there, if you're listening to uh, join in on it, especially locally in Columbus. I mean, I really don't care where I would go uh, necessarily in Ohio to help promote or put together a show, but um, be great if it was Columbus. So, you know, those are just like pipe dreams, big ideas, sketches that really don't come into fruition right now. I'm more of a big ideas kind of guy myself. But, you know, who knows? Who knows what the future is going to hold this year? Feeling really great, feeling really strong about this year, and we'll see what happens. So uh, uh, shout out to them out there having an, another successful Wrestling for a Cure event. Congrats to Billy Alexander and all the good work he's doing out there. Fun stuff. Lots of fun stuff to hip you to. Um, my crawl is different. Take a look at the crawl. As you can see, I'm going to be putting more news that I don't get to throughout the show on it. So if you are watching, you have the luxury of watching along live or... If you access the video later on Facebook, you can see the crawl. But if you are listening on your favorite audio podcast streaming platform, um, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I know that was supposed to go somewhere and it didn't. But that's a little tease uh, to be able to access the show however you want to. Either way, I don't care how you do it. If you prefer to go to one of my many social media platforms, which I'm pretty much all over. 
then you can just type in heel and face podcast to find me there. But if you prefer to listen to me on the, sh- on the way to work, um, getting ready for work, getting the kids out ready for school, et cetera, et cetera, then you can, uh, access me on a audio streaming service. So either way, it's all good gaining more followers. And I appreciate all of you. I see more and more every day on the Facebook page. I'm up to 1300. So I'll take that. I'll take that. And I'm also getting more, um, uh, audio streams and I love it. And I really appreciate all that you guys do to support the show. And by the way, support heel turn wrestling as well. All you need to do is go to, uh, HT wrestling three, one, six on Facebook that's at HT Wrestling 316, and that's where we be. So all the great content, all the dank memes, all the great local and hopefully some indie stuff that we want to hip you to, and we'll have it there available because we know how much we're worth, right? We know how much our product is for you it's almost immeasurable it's almost infinite it's almost like you can't quantify how much really good content heel turn wrestling and my show heel and face provide for you and i'm glad that we know our worth because that's what's going around lately we we, we're in an age where people should know how much they are valued and people should know how much that they are worth And it's only fair. However, some people, again, because everybody's a critic, right? Uh, Brought this up this week. And this one's kind of dumb to me, but I do want to comment on it a little bit. I think it's pretty hilarious. You want to talk about a slow news week? This is one of the major events on wrestling news right now. The former Sasha Banks, Mercedes Vernado, is charging $30,000 per media appearance or uh, fan fest, autograph signing, car dealership appearance, ribbon cutting, whatever. Started charging $30,000 for appearance. This is the same level as veterans like Sting and Goldberg that they command when they come to an appearance. So there's different ways to unpack this. And I'm not so sure this is a thing. So this is this week's uh, installment of things that are not things. I actually gave some thought to this. Now, one avenue is because that's mostly a retirement fee. That's a fee that mostly retired wrestlers or semi-retired wrestlers used to get bookings at like car dealerships and comic cons and whatnot that that's kind of her saying that she's retired from professional wrestling i wouldn't say that 
I mean, who knows? Great things are going. She'll probably end up in AEW in a week. So there's that. But I don't think she's retired. I think she just knows how much she's worth. Let's face it. It seems like she's making that transition away from professional wrestling per se. Now, she's also very famously been a cosplayer. She's also very famously uh, had some stunt coordination and she's getting into acting more. So this isn't a thing, people. To say that she's being arrogant by demanding as much as Goldberg and Sting and other veterans do is just silly for lots of reasons. Um, The first one is how many episodes of uh, a popular Disney series did Goldberg star in? I'll wait. I mean, I know Sting did some appearances on Thunder in Paradise, but that's not a Disney property. You know what is? Star Wars. So despite the fact that her role was very slight, she still acted in it and she's still a part of it. I mean, do you realize how much extras in the original Star Wars make just by doing uh, comic cons and sci-fi cons and all that other stuff. So I think she's worth plus none of those guys are serious actors. I mean, yes, Goldberg was in universal soldier 2000. Okay. So there's that, right? They've had some minor roles in Hollywood, some of those guys, but I mean, she's going for being a serious or a more serious actress. She's not just wanting to role play, even though she's, again, her speciality is physical. So it's going to be more action hero related, more, uh, you know, sci-fi related, which is fine. If you find your niche, go for it. But to say that she doesn't deserve $30,000 for appearance, she's again, multiple time WWE women's champion. She's a tag champion and she's still technically in the prime of her life. I don't think she's even cracked 30 yet. If she is, she's a very young 30. So my question is, why is this a thing? This can't be a thing. She just knows the value of her brand and her product. And even if she's never Sasha Banks anymore, she's still Mercedes Vernado, who's had multiple acting credits. She's had multiple um, appearances out in public. Um, she's got famous people in her family. Her uncle is Snoop Dogg. She'll never be. She'll never not be far from the entertainment industry. So. For her to be taking bookings at $30,000 a pop does not seem outlandish to me. Maybe the number will come down on some uh, 
on, on some instances. Maybe she'll be able to read the room. Maybe she won't be able to make as much at New York Comic Con as she would at Tulsa, Oklahoma Comic Con or, or Columbus, Ohio Comic Con. Maybe that's just her starting price. Maybe things can be negotiated. Maybe she's got her agent involved. Heck, even her husband tweeted out saying, you simply don't know how good uh, Mercedes really is. That was interesting that he put that out there. I mean, of course, he's going to stick up for uh, his wife. You know, again, and we're talking about like she's retired. We're talking about like she's got some type of sciatic a nerve injury where she can't perform wrestling anymore. Like she's in the prime of her life and she's just getting started and she could do whatever she wants. So God bless Mercedes Varnado. I'm going to put like three or four to one odds that she's going to end up in AEW sometime in the next month because that's what happens. And then she'll probably do another season of the Mandalorian and she'll probably get other acting gigs and have a great life. So I don't know why that's a thing. That's definitely in my mind, definitely not a thing. All right. We're going to go from not a thing to kind of a thing. I guess this is a thing. I really don't care, but I think it's funny when people discuss it because it just, I guess it's just something to talk about. So let's go right to it. There is rampant speculation that starting tomorrow, July 18th, Monday Night Raw, that Monday Night Raw and WWE will revert back to the TV 14 setting when it comes to the rating for entertainment. And I am, you know, having mixed emotions about this. I mean, ultimately, I don't care like what your program is rated per se, because in the end I'm going to let my child or not let my child watch the material, but let's call it for what it is. This is definitely a stab at the ratings. WWE completely not able to read the room again. I don't know if I would try to go back to more raucous, more racy, more adult-themed humor and ideas right off the back of the CEO of the company being accused of paying women to sleep with him. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade, right? With all of the sexual harassment, all the craziness and all the upheaval going on corporately in the WWE in real life. I don't think TV 14 going to uh, TV 14 is exactly um, what the WWE needs to do right now. 
Um, but it's a ratings grab. Let's not, um, you know, uh, call it anything for what it isn't. They're trying to get a little spike, get a little people back into the product, which I didn't think even was doing that badly. I don't think the ratings were dropping that poorly per se. And it isn't like NFL's back yet. So Monday Night Football's not back. There's other things that are not really happening, not really too many factors that are happening for the need for them to make such a change to grab ratings. Um, So I don't know if this is the great time to go back to TV 14. Uh, For whatever reason, people want to try to say that, you know, with AEW being in direct competition, this is turning up the heat and this is the same thing. I know some AEW fans are out there saying this is the exact same thing that Vince did when Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff were beating him in WCW. Um, Again, I don't see AEW as a legit enough threat for Vince to worry about them. Have you seen their ratings? Uh, The ratings are continuously dropping. So I don't know if Vince sees AEW as a a direct competition, seeing as though AEW is on Wednesdays and Fridays. And WWE's on Mondays and, well, Mondays and Fridays. So Friday is a SmackDown is a competition. I'm I'm assuming that they're doing it because of Fox. Fox probably wants stuff to be more edgy. But my biggest concern, me personally, I'm not a person that usually goes backwards in life. Like there are times we have to reflect. There are times where you have to go backwards and think about the things, you know, you can reminisce. It's fine. You can go back to the good old days. But, you know, when people say, oh, man, WWE is so much better during the Attitude Era, we're all stuck in amber in our view of when we first encountered something, right? You know, the people in the uh, golden era with Hulk Hogan are saying, oh, wrestling is such crap now, blah, blah, blah. And they hated the Attitude Era because it wasn't wrestling anymore. It's just uh, male soap opera comedy, blah, 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 right? And then, of course, the Attitude Era came up. And then the guys in the 2000s, the stiffer guys, the more realistic hybrid guys like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, etc., and then that generation was, oh, that, that wrestling's crap. They just, they're not, they're boring. They blah, 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 blah. So everybody's stuck in amber with their own experience with media. Even I'm guilty of that a couple of times. But I was never one of those guys that said, oh, we should go back to the PG era. First of all, a lot of the PG era was not great. It just simply wasn't like you're fooling yourself if you if you think all of it was. It was so top heavy with the moments that we forget all of the garbage underneath. Like we who were proponents or lived or watched through the heyday of the Attitude Era, 
you know, we remember the top guys. I discussed it last week with Will Gray. The Rock, Stone Cold, Mankind, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, DX. Like, the Attitude Era of WWE was so top-heavy that people forget Val Venus, you know. People forget, uh, what was it, the um, the quasi-South uh, African uh, white nationalist group with Kurgan and, and uh, the, the Jackal, um, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Don Callis, right? Um, you know, people forget that there was a lot of crap in the Attitude Era, too. And just because it was edgy and that uh, Vince Russo was trying to throw something up against the wall to see if it stuck. You know, the people who could deliver, delivered. And the people who couldn't were in the oddities. You know, no disrespect to um, the great John Tenta, a.k.a. Earthquake. Um, he was Golga, by the way, and they wanted to put the mask on him so people wouldn't realize that it was him. But it was him. Um, you know, so are we reminiscing over the Attitude Era or are we saying that there was actually quality content that needs to come back? Because let me tell you, there's no Stone Cold. There's no rock. And I get real weird when people start reminiscing too much. Like Austin at WrestleMania was fantastic and he did what he needed to do. And he was there for both nights. It was, it was amazing. Uh, you know, but he's not coming back. You know, we don't have anybody attitude era ish coming back. We have, Roman Reigns, we have Brock Lesnar, but he's even getting old and he's not even being used uh, that much. I mean, we got guys who could probably pull some wacky stuff off, like Kevin Owens, my, one of my favorite wrestlers, as you guys know. There are some guys that can probably pull off an Attitude Era-ish feeling or vibe, but it's not it. So just let it go. So take it for what it is. If the WWE is going back to the Attitude Era, then it's only for ratings. It's not for uh, anything aesthetic. It's not because the crowd necessarily wants it. I mean, I'm sure there's people my age or older who want it, who want the Attitude Era back. I don't need to see it. You know, I don't need to see gratuitous shenanigans like I don't need to see gratuitous sex I don't need to see gratuitous violence I don't need to hear potty jokes anymore um, because there wasn't a whole the other part of it is is that a lot of it there wasn't a whole lot of sophistication either you know you could tell a smart story without having to use adult situations uh, I don't know if the writers are going to be allowed to do that or not we will see hopefully uh, with the new changes coming to WWE. Uh, by the way, as an aside, Stephanie McMahon is getting um, 
some uh, very positive reviews. People are saying that she's already putting her stamp on uh, backstage in the WWE and that uh, a lot of people feel like she is not doing a lot of what her father would do. And uh, there seems to be a groundswell of support that would suggest that what I suggested weeks ago was that Stephanie McMahon should, in fact, become the permanent CEO of WWE. So uh, we will see. Will she run her father out in the same manner that uh, Vince McMahon ran? And again, ran is a very loose term, but ran Jess McMahon out of Capital Wrestling Corporation. Who knows? But uh, we'll see. And I guess I'll, I'll tune in for morbid curiosity tomorrow to see, in fact, if they did turn to TV 14 and see what they do from there. Because, again, there's a difference between reminiscing and there's a difference between ripping it off. We'll see what this quote unquote new attitude era falls. All right. Well, that's kind of the news right now. And as you can see, again, flashing across the crawl, if there's anything else that you would like to discuss, if you want to chime in on the show, go ahead and comment below. I am better at uh, taking uh, taking the notes as I go on my page, Heel and Face page, but I do try and check the Heel Turn Wrestling page, the one that I'm cross-posting on, so uh, be sure to put comments. And by the way, I lurk both pages anyway, so even if you do make a comment, I try to respond back. So please do uh, go ahead. You know, it's not too late. You can still share the show. You can still uh, like the show. You can still, um, uh, you know, even click the notification button, support the show every way you can. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and take a very brief break. And when I come back, I will have results for the day one of the G1 Climax, if you're not able to pay attention to it. And I'll discuss the uh, results of Kings of Coliseum from MLW. Yes, I am two months behind. I realized that. I watched it on YouTube. I didn't actually watch it live when it happened. So um, shoot me. But if you saw the show, you can definitely comment below on what you think as well. So we'll be back in a brief moment. You are listening to and or watching the Heal and Face podcast podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling we'll be back in a few thanks everybody we're back it's me it's me the big old stevie c steve castellanovo with the second half of the heel and face podcast podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling 
and uh, we're back to give you some results of some of the things that have happened this weekend. If you were not able to keep up, I know they're probably doing night two right now of New Japan's G1 Climax. So uh, don't spoil it for anybody who is looking forward to the results. But I do have results for uh, last night. So let's get to them, shall we? Yes, we shall. If I can find it. Um, Why well, did not expect this okay fantastic all right we're live pal anyway so some results and i'm just reading them off to you because like i said i didn't get a chance to watch it but i might go back and take a look at some highlights um so for the easy results in block a, um, Okada defeated Jeff Cobb in a uh, pretty hard-hitting match. Um, basically, Okada, uh, uh, no, basically Jeff Cobb said um, it was one of my toughest matches to date. Um, he, uh, Okada, kicked it into high gear and went to the next level uh, to beat me, basically, is what he said. Um, uh, so, uh, apparently, Jeff Cobb tried to pull his own version of the Rainmaker, uh, calling it the Aloha Maker. Okay. And Okada was able uh, to hit Inziguri, then hit uh, the Cobra Twist Frozen Explosion, which then he went into the Rainmaker and hit the one, two, three. So uh, Okada with two points. Block B. Uh, Jay White defeated Sonata. So Jay's got two points now. Um, Jay White fresh off his interview where he basically blasted AEW and thanked everyone or said you're welcome to everyone who didn't thank him for their success that the entire uh, company was based off of the fact that he took over Bullet Club and I thought that was still think that's kind of funny um, and finally of course uh, Jay hits the Blade Runner on Sonata for the victory uh C block, no surprise. Uh, Tanahashi defeats uh, Aaron Hanare, and no wait. I'm sorry, I have that wrong. I read that wrong. Um, that is a surprise. Uh, Aaron Hanare beat Hiroshi Tanahashi, and so this is a huge upset in the making, and um hit the streets of rage on Tanahashi got the three count. So, uh, that is a surprise. Then in block D, uh, back to, uh, which was 
a lot of people arguing this was the match of the night, the best match, was uh, El Fantasmo versus Will Ospreay. And Will Ospreay ended up getting two points with the victory. Uh, Will Ospreay, who spent the majority of his time over here at uh, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, trying to get WWE to notice him, uh, came off with a victory of El Fantasmo. And uh, people say this was, again, one of the best matches of the night. You can go ahead and you can be the judge of that on your own. You can come up with your own conclusions. And uh, I'm sure it was uh, very good. But those are just the results from uh, G1 last night. So uh, you're all caught up to date. I'm not sure who's going tonight. But again, if you're following it closely, uh, like uh, a little more closely than I am, definitely comment below in the comment section just to let me know and hit me up and see what I should be looking for uh, when, uh, when I pay more attention to G1. So let's talk about what I watched this week. Seriously. Yeah. I caught a little bit of NXT. I know about the whole, um, the Cora J heel turn on, on Roxy, Roxy, Roxanne Perez, uh, whatever they're calling her now. Uh, I just, I don't know. What do you say? Like, like, what do you say? Like lazy booking, terrible booking. They had no idea what they're going to do with any of them. And of course, Kevin Dunn, LOL, all women secretly hate each other. I just don't see why Roxanne Perez already has white meat baby face written all over her. You didn't have to do it worse by waffling her in the back with a skateboard. And let's be honest, it's not like Cora Jade's been in NXT for a super long time either. Like, I don't understand why they couldn't have gone up against Toxic Attraction a couple of more times to trade the belts a couple of times to get seasoned before something happens. But of course, you know, it's WWE and every woman hates each other secretly and it's it's on now. So now they're I guess they're still tag team partners. And yes, I know I've gone on record and saying that I love tag teams that hate each other. Like I love the heel and face tag team that is the successful tag team despite their issues together. But there was no reason to turn Cora Jade. None at all. Not at all. But on the uh, bright side, um, Nikita Lyons returned from shoulder surgery. So that's a good thing. All right. Well, anyway, let's get to it. Let's get to some of the action. So I told you, except for all that stuff that I've been watching, I caught up last night because I wasn't able to make it out to um, OWA. uh, So I have no idea what the results are, and I'll probably figure it out or I'll watch it or I'll get on and uh, see something about it later. But um, let's talk about Kings of Coliseum. Again, yes, I'm two months behind. I'm well, 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 well aware of it. But I just want to comment on what I saw. And what I saw was um, pretty good for the most part. 
Unfortunately for me, it was a very lackluster main event. And we'll get to that. Um, not all of the events were, or the, the shows or the matches were uh, televised per se, or at least the ones that I saw were. Um, I saw some pretty good matches as far as uh, Matt Cross defeated ACH. That was that was pretty much a banger, and especially since I just saw Matt Cross uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, on Sanctioned Pro, uh, that was really good. Um, and I don't know how what the future holds for those two guys in. MLW, I know they both have a huge history in MLW. I like, I hate to say it because they do have the open weight belt, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but I would like to see some type of extra belt or cup or something. I know they have the Opera Cup. I know they have a lot of other things going on. But I would like to see something else just for guys um, who are kind of mid-card-ish, but not really mid card you know, some guys that can still go some type of I would like to see another belt of some sort uh, for some of these guys in MLW, because I think they really deserve it. They could carry it off well. Um, but um, Matt Cross, ACH wrestling was obviously a, a banger. Uh, the National Openweight Championship. There was a lot of goofy stipulations in this match. It was a championship match between Alex Kane and Davey Richards that if Davey Richards survived the 20 minutes, he'd make $20,000. So I know there's that old school, oh, you can't beat the champ, you know, uh, pull the plant, pull the mark out of the crowd. And if they can beat the champ or if they can roll with the, survive with the champ in five minutes, uh, they get $500. Yeah, that's okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But it was also for the belt too. So if Davey Richards won, does that mean he would have won the national openweight championship and $20,000 or was the stipulation that the $20,000 is only contingent on lasting that long. So I don't know. It was a lot of, stipulations kind of in one match, but uh, the match itself, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised how well Davey Richards held up. Uh, I haven't seen him much. Um, I know he's getting up there uh, in age as we all are. And I was happy that all of the ring rust is finally kind of knocked off. I know he had a couple of matches with TJP when he came back to MLW. I know he was kind of involved. Um, he was doing something with uh, Myron Reed, training with him a little bit. Uh, Davey Richards looked like he hadn't lost a step. So um, fantastic cardio, a lot of work, uh, flying all over the place. Uh, a lot of um, trailer hitches and wrestling moves on Alex, Alex Kane. I think he kind of Alex, uh, showed Alex Kane a thing or two in the match, which is always good to see a veteran uh, show a younger guy and I'm not saying that Alex Kane is a slouch, you know, former um, Was he a judo champ former wrestling champ and uh, amateur wrestling champ in his own right? So he's not a slouch 
but I did like see seeing Davey put him in a couple of leg holds and stuff. I know it was a lot of stretching of time, and that was cool. I was into it. Good match. But what happened after the match was a little shocking uh, because uh, they didn't like the results uh, of the match, even though Davey Richards lasted the time he did not defeat the champion. And, of course, uh, there was a little bit of shenanigans involved, as you as you do. And uh, Alex Kane survived. But they didn't like that. They didn't like that Davey Richards came to work. So they decided to stomp him. Well, uh, his training partner, as of late, the... MLW middleweight champion Myron Reed came out with a chair seemingly to save Davy Richards from a beatdown from the Bumaye Fight Club. And as they scattered around the ring, as Myron was standing there with his training partner slash kind of mentor, I guess that's what I want to call him, um, Myron Reed proceeds to turn on him and set it up to where he is now a part of Bumbaye Fight Club. Uh, they set Davey Richards up. Uh, they they put his hand in between the uh, seat of the chair, you know, right where the folding chair is. And uh, Myron Reed came off with a double stomp off the top rope. And Davey Richards looks like he is going to be out of action for a while. So... Not only is he the middleweight champion, but now that young goat, that hot fire Myron Reed is now a official member of the Bumaye Fight Club. Interesting. I like how where this is going, and we'll see uh, how how it goes from here, how it proceeds from here. Young, hungry. Uh, heels that are just doing whatever it takes to be on top. Um, also on the card that was another, I was a little surprised how good the match was, was uh, let's say Dorado versus uh, Enzo and I don't know if my expectations were lowered necessarily because of Enzo or haven't seen him in the ring for a while or whatever, or he's trying to do his own thing. But the boy good, and he gets it. And he's one of those guys that still gets it. I'm not saying he gets it on an MJF level or anything like that. But, you know, I get that the reason why he left is because he lied to Triple H about the sexual misconduct things and all that and the things that he was saying. I know he and Cass kind of left a little acrimoniously, but honestly, um, I would not be against bringing Enzo back to WWE. I know he they would probably try to pigeonhole him as a cruiserweight or a 205, even though they're getting rid of 205. I think they officially got rid of 205 Live. And I know they don't want to pigeonhole him as a cruiserweight per se, but 
before he left, there was huge talk to push Enzo and Cass into becoming tag team champs. So I'm pretty sure it could happen again. And, uh, you know, let's say he's no slouch. I know he's kind of uh, acrimoniously, if that's the word of the day, uh, talked about how he was treated at the end, how Lucha House Party was starting to get over and they decided to get rid of all three of them. Uh, I know he's not a fan of how he left uh, WWE per se, but also he isn't exactly like running WWE down a lot like a lot of other wrestlers have or are doing currently. So it is what it is. And it's unfortunate that they didn't really do anything with Lindsay, but now he's out and he's doing his thing. And he and Enzo had a really good technical match. Not a whole lot of flying Lucha Libre stuff. Uh, Enzo's going to kill himself with that stupid front-rolling senton bump uh, through the middle rope. Uh, it's the same type of bump that gave him that really horrible concussion in the first place. Um, other than that, though, like Enzo, Enzo was in complete control as a heel, getting the crowd fired up. I mean, the dude is smart. He knows what he's doing. I am a fan, and I would not not want to see Enzo back in the WWE again. I don't think it'll ever happen, but uh, now that Enzo's got at least five years or so under his belt of learning how to work crowds and all that stuff, I I wouldn't have a problem. They would probably put him in something stupid like Maximum Male Models or whatever anyway, so maybe it is a blessing that he's not in WWE for the foreseeable future. But I wouldn't hate it if he was, I liked the match. Uh, it, along with Alex Kane versus uh, Davey Richards, was one of the better matches of the card, to be honest with you. Um, we do have a brand new MLW featherweight champion, newly crowned winner of the tournament, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, congratulations to her. Richly deserved. She uh, says she will uh, bring uh, the MLW featherweight belt along with the AAA uh, Queen of Queens belt anywhere to, f- to defend it. So looking forward to that. And that is the one thing that I do like about this era that we're in of wrestling is that they don't have the guts to do it for a lot of the men's belts. Now, you do see, of course, the Forbidden Door era. You see, like, uh, FTR. You know, they have three or four different promotional belts that they go around. Uh, but they're only going around to the other promotions. It's not like they're going to different promotions. But I feel like with the women's situation, especially with Taya Valkyrie, if she truly is getting permission from MLW to go around to all the other promotions and defend it wherever she goes – then God bless both of them. It's only going to look better for uh, for women's wrestling and for MLW to do that. Um, if only one promotion would step up in a way that the old NWA did and just basically make partnership promotions, then I think wrestling would be uh, 
pretty pretty fun to watch um, as far as the super indies go. But then again, some of the super indies are being bought out by Tony Khan. And after this press release recently, Tony Khan basically congratulated himself on bringing back Ring of Honor. Whatever. Sorry, I don't want to get too distracted um, on uh, what I thought of Kings of Coliseum, uh, what I watched of Kings of Coliseum. So let's get it. Uh, saw a very brief match between Brittany Blake, whom a lot of people like, coming up in uh, the ranks, speaking of the featherweight division, and local hero Zoe Sky who is uh, out there in these streets killing it. Um, she's been doing it so long for the indies. And I remember seeing her at a couple of uh, shows here in Ohio. Um, you know, always been a fan of hers from afar. And for her to finally make it and uh, show her stuff in, uh, in MLW is really awesome. It was a good match. It was, I don't want to say extended squash, but they let, Zoe Sky um, do her thing, and that was a fun match watching. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> zoned out for a second there. I do apologize. So let's get to the heavyweight championship the grudge match the blood feud that was brewing between former dynasty stablemates challenger who's now calling himself the sole proprietor richard holiday versus alex hammerstone and i hate to say it but i'm actually was a little disappointed in this match I don't know if it's because they couldn't really go with the blood, even though Richard Holiday came out with the bloody white suit from Dallas. And I know that, you know, they don't shy away from ultra violence when it's necessary. But there was something missing. This match never really got into full gear for me, which was surprising because of all the wars that Hammerstone's been in over the year, the past two years, over the feud with Contra that he basically elevated to Hulk Hogan status, defeating all the evil foreigners. And then, of course, Hammerstone's, uh, you know, rough match with Mads Kruger and all the other challengers to the throne. I mean, you know, we're not too far removed from Hammerstone versus Fatu at uh, Fightland, which was one of the best matches of the year. And now this seems like this should have elevated both guys. This should have been like a blood feud for the ages. It felt like that it should have been match of the year quality, and it never got there for some reason. And I don't know why i wish i could put my finger on it um it was just basically standard like revenge i'm gonna get you stuff um there were ref bumps it was kind of wwe ish 
which I get it. A lot of guys who used to write or be a part of WWE or an MLW, uh, there was a huge ref bump. Cesar Duran came out, sent a Lucha henchman to be the referee because he's in charge of matchmaking of MLW. And it was part of the deal that he and Richard Holiday apparently made. Uh, but the uh, MLW ref woke up enough to kick the Azteca ref out of there uh, and uh, finish the match. Uh, and the heel build was, you know, what you would expect, like Holiday making the deal with Cesar Duran. So he used the chair, he used tactics behind uh, Hammerstone in the ref's back. Alicia Atut distracted the referee for Richard Holiday to use the chair couple of times on Hammerstone, even putting him in the 208, 2008, on the chair, and it still didn't uh, work for Holiday's favor. Uh, There were some teases of the Nightmare Pendulum earlier in the match. Didn't happen. Um, They tried each other's finishers at one point. No, I I shouldn't say that. They tried their finishers on their opponent at some point. Middle of the match didn't work. Um, But it never – the match never went up to that next level. Um, Hammerstone came back in babyface fashion. And I get it. It's really hard for the super jacked, enormous, uh, babyface to look like an underdog. They did an okay job trying to make. Hammerstone looked vulnerable. Uh, Holiday went after the knee, went after the ankle that was broken at Fightland. So um, they made Hammerstone look vulnerable. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that they're terrible wrestlers. I actually really like Richard Holiday, and I'm probably going to pick up one of those sole proprietor T-shirts from uh, wherever they're selling them. So it's not like I'm not hating on. Either, and I love Hammerstone. I think both of those guys are amazing. Um, they're fantastic wrestlers, but it just seemed to me that uh, the match is never. The match just never. It never went to that blood feud. I hate your stinking guts level that I would have expected it to be ever since it was built up that way since Dallas. So I don't know if the payoff was a hundred percent what uh, the fans wanted or deserved. Um, but uh, it it happened in the end. Hammerstone won. He retained the belt. And I don't know what the, what's going to happen here now. I don't know if I were MLW, I would have Richard Holiday file some type of legal injunction against Cesar Duran to demand another match. And hopefully this is just a build to bigger things like a steel cage or um, – something else coming up soon with their next pay-per-view. I wouldn't be surprised if it was fight land coming up next. It's getting close to October. So it might be um, where, where they do like a steel cage or they deal a weapons match or something like that uh, to kind of elevate. Uh, if this was a match just to kind of set us up for a long-term program between the two of them, then I'm fine with that. But if this was just a blow off match, that was like the blow off to the feud. That was a mistake. I think they should have, Ended it a little more sloppily. Maybe have a DQ or something. 
That way, Holiday could have come in to Cesar Duran and said, uh, you know, I don't want to lose my disqualification. I want no disqualification match. Whatever. Whatever. I just hope they have something planned for them because I'd like to see this feud continue. I'd like to see them redeem themselves kind of from this match that was, to be fair, it was okay. It, it was okay. Well, that's my thoughts on MLW. Uh, a lot of the other undercard matches were better than the main event of Kings of Coliseum. But, you know, again, can't all be winners, right? And I do love MLW, and I'm going to stick with them. Uh, right now, they and NWA are the ones that are really getting it right on a consistent basis, in my opinion. So if you want more info, more news about Either of those two stick with me. Yes, I'll watch WWE because I kind of have to. I know SummerSlam is going to come up in two weeks. I know other things are happening in the wrestling world. But those are the two that I'm going to concentrate on. And those are the two that I'm going to – that's the one I'm going to end on, MLW. So uh, check them out. They're going to start their new season in the fall. Just like I started broadcasting at 10 a.m. And I'm really glad that you guys joined me today. Uh, on the Heel and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Hey, that's it for the show. That's it for me, Big Stevie C. I'm out for this week. Thanks for joining me. Um, You can catch me on all my social medias. You can catch me at Heel and Face Podcast, where you like to stream your favorite podcast streaming service. And I am out of here. Have a great week and I will see you next week. Same time, same, uh, same YouTube page. And as always, peace.